If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at TNTradio.live. TNT. You're with Jeremy now on today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Jim Warfare at tntradio.live. That's my email address. Thank you to everybody who sends me an email and a special thank you to to those who tell me where in the world they are mailing from. I always enjoy hearing the geographical location of uh, of listeners and the world's a very big place and uh, the internet has made it smaller. It's a pretty incredible thing. Uh, it, uh, it amazes me all the time, actually. Jump into the live chat. Say hi. Uh, let me know also there uh, what your thoughts are and uh, where you are, as always. Uh, tell me the mundane stuff, like how the weather is on your side. It is uh, sunny. The summer has arrived here at the bottom tip of the African continent. Alex, are we ready? Let's do this. My name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare, the battle of ideas. Engaged and informed conversation. They say what I'm thinking. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Michael Hitchborn, thank you for joining me in the trenches. Thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. I'm trying to even think where to start. It's such a dark talking point, this. Well, uh, it, it is a dark topic, but the problem is that it goes way back. Uh, what we're talking about is the Catholic Campaign for Human Development and uh, the fact that the Catholic Church has been financing organizations through this agency that are acting directly against the church. And they've been doing this since 1969 when they were founded. Um, and, and they were founded specifically to finance Saul Alinsky's community organizing groups. So this really shouldn't be a surprise to anybody who's been, who, who knows, who actually, you know, Catholics should understand this, but many don't. And it's an unfortunate thing. Mm. What is the Catholic Campaign for Human Development? So the Catholic Campaign for Human Development, it started off as just the Campaign for Human Development. They added the word Catholic to it back in 1990 when um, it was determined that the campaign had kind of a bad reputation, that people didn't see it as Catholic. And the fact of the matter is it's not. Uh, it, it's a project of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. It was created in 1969, as I mentioned, uh, by Cardinal Bernardin of Chicago. And he, was, he, he had been working with a guy named um, Monsignor Jack Egan, who was a very good friend of Saul Alinsky. He's the one that wrote the book Rules for Radicals, Reveille for Radicals. And uh, he... <clears throat> He said, look, you know, they're, they're doing these community organizing operations and these community organizing operations, they, they help the poor and they help uh, the disenfranchised and all that kind of stuff. So we should take up a collection to help these community organizing groups. So they did. And it was a big success because Catholics are very generous and they like to help the poor. So when they're told, hey, look, this, this operation is going to help the poor, they like to raise money for that kind of thing. Well, but the problem is that Saul Alinsky was a Marxist. Uh, he was a Marxist who was trying to foment class warfare. And the funding went to his community organizing groups for the purpose of class warfare. And it's been propagating that class warfare ever since. Well, when the uh, U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops got a hold of the project, they started raising millions and millions of dollars for these community organizing groups, which have expanded throughout the United States. 
And it turns out that these community organizing groups, as good Marxists that they are, were also helping to spread and promote abortion, contraception, homosexuality, transgenderism, the whole gamut, everything. Um, rampant sexual immorality. And uh, that's been the, the focus of our research because when you start using terms like Marxist or you say that they're socialist, these 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 commies basically know how to hide. They turn around and say, oh, you think that just because we're helping the poor, that means we're Marxists and we're socialists. That's not true. So we had to look for the more moral element and we've found it and we've been We've been exposing the fact that the CCHD has been financing these groups for the last 15 years, and everything that we find something new, it just gets darker and darker. Um, so by extension, you are referring to one of those mechanisms uh, being CUSH. What does that stand for? So CUSH uh, stands or for Cush, Congregations. Yeah. yeah, it stands for Congregations United to Serve Humanity. I mean, it sounds so innocuous, <laughs> right? It's uh, epic. But... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, but then when you think about it, so it's it's a part of a network called Gamaliel. Gamaliel is a religiously based, they're, they're an interfaith organization, and they like to use biblically sounding words. But Cush, of all names to pick, Cush is the capital of Egypt, and Egypt always represents hell in scripture. So it's kind of ironic uh, that they would be giving this money grouped organ. Uh, as much money as they did. What we found is that Cush had been supporting homosexuality as far back as 20, 2020. Um, its executive director, a, a woman named Lori Hawkins, she has been in, involved with Planned Parenthood since 2016. And she's been promoting Planned Parenthood. She's been, uh, she'd been working with Planned Parenthood. And um, when she became the executive director of Cush in March of 2022, she had already been working at Cush since December of 2020 because she was their community organizer. And that organization had been promoting homosexuality at that point. So they got this grant in 2021. And the, the idea was that they would get a grant for a year and then they could reapply and get a grant for another year. They got two grants, one for 2021 to 2022 and then one from 22 to 23. And uh, during the grant period, we found that they were indeed promoting homosexuality and transgenderism, and it was pretty blatant. But uh, what was most egregious is that in October of this year, Cush took, they, they, under, they undertook what was called a banned books drive. And the idea was that they were going to collect these books that they deemed were banned from from uh, public libraries and public schools because uh, there's controversy about them because be, just because they're gay. Well, here's the problem: the books weren't just gay; they are pornographic, and they are grooming kids. These books are horrible. Um, one book that they promoted or that they collected to give to a youth center, by the way, that uh, serves middle middle school aged kids. Um, we're talking kids that are like between nine and twelve. One of the books is called Gender Queer. It's a graphic novel, uh, meaning it's a comic book, uh, and it centers around this gender confused young man. 
And he winds up having uh, all kinds of different escapades uh, with, <laughs> I, I don't know how much I can say on the air, but... Uh, you can say, what, I don't you can get say whatever you graphic. want. Okay, so it, it shows oral sex. It, it actually has drawings of the act itself, a young man on a young man, um, and it, it shows full nudity, shows the full thing. And, um, and this is for which, for, for which age group? This book was collected for a youth center that was going to have middle school-aged kids, ages 9 to 10, or 9 to 12. Sure. Um, it, it, and it's, it's shocking. Uh, what, what we also discovered is that they collected a book called This Book is Gay, which is it, it's effectively an instruction manual on how to be gay. On page 156 of this book, there is instruction on how to use the homosexual hookup app called Grinder. Page 171 has a diagram of the male anatomy with different arrows pointing to different parts of it. And it describes the, these erogenous zones of the male anatomy. And it goes into detail on how to pleasure those erogenous zones, whether with the tongue or the lips or the, you know, whatever. Um, page 173 actually gives instructions on moral or, or on mutual masturbation, oral sex, and anal sex. And again, this book was collected for a youth center for kids. This is grooming. This is the very definition of grooming. Uh, they're, they're corrupting the minds of the youth and they're trying to get them interested in something that only adult males would want a young man to be involved in it's it's the very definition of grooming and it's uh, funded by a catholic organization this organization kush got a forty-five thousand dollar grant from the cchd in 2021 to 2022 i don't know how much they got in 22 to 23 but i, I i'm a faithful catholic i've been a catholic my entire life uh, I was baptized in as, as an infant. I was raised in the Catholic faith. I'm still a Catholic. I love my church. I love my faith. But what happened here is disgusting. It's not only disgusting. These people should have known better. I've been warning the Catholic Campaign for Human Development for the better part of 15 years, telling them what organizations they are financing that are engaged in morally reprehensible activities and they, can t they routinely dismiss my charges. They routinely dismiss my research. And all we do is collect screen captures of the information. We provide links to the evidence. And we say, look, this is what you're financing. And then they turn right around and they tell faithful Catholics and they tell the bishops, oh, pay no attention to the Lepanto Institute. Why are they financing this? Well, I think that part of the problem is that the CCHD itself, the management of it, is filled with Marxists. I think that they are involved in uh, this. I mean, I don't know whether they are personally involved in this kind of activity, but I think that they have an ideological attachment to the promotion of homosexuality and, and abortion and contraception and all of that because they don't believe in the Catholic faith. I really believe that the, uh, the people that work for the CCHD do not have the faith. I think that they are infiltrators whose only objective it is to take Catholic money and give it to the enemies of the church. One of the comments in the live chat uh, is uh, recommending burning of the books, including Alinsky's books. But yes, the funny thing, I've read Rules for Radicals, and I actually think that 
more people should read it because why would you want to be oblivious to um, strategies being implemented by Marxists? It's actually a very, very good book. Well, then that's that's an accurate point. Uh, we should never take it as an instruction manual because it it really is a uh, an instruction manual in uh, the ends justifies the means. It's mm. it's an instruction manual in Marxist revolution, and it's an idea in perpetual revolution. In other words, his yeah. his whole approach is to go after the haves to give the have-nots. But then, once you achieve that, the ones who had who had are now the have-nots, and they now yeah. have to revolt against the, the the ones who who now have. Yeah, but the irony is that you can't win any wars if you don't know the strategies of your enemy. Sun Tzu yes. said that it's best to know how your enemy thinks, which is precisely why you should read Alinsky. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, it, absolutely. Um, when we talk about Marxists, though, just for clarity, what is it that we are referring to? So the reason I use the phrase Marxism is that a lot of people have this false notion that Marxism is just communism. It's just the hardcore. I mean, he wrote the Communist Manifesto. But the root of Marxism, Marxist thought, is, is uh, revolutionary materialism. In other words, everything that, it, it, that is to be had that is worth having is material. And everything that we in this world should be fighting over are material things. Uh, we should have the objective of obtaining material things, um, sharing material things. That's, that's Marxism. And it's it's part of what's called the Hegelian dialectic, and the Hegel so Hegel was a, was a philosopher, and the Hegelian dialectic is that um, you have a, a thesis uh, which you're positing forward a thesis. You then juxtapose that against what's called an antithesis or an antithesis, and through the struggle of those two things, you'll wind up with what's called a synthesis. So you'll have a mean that is created through two conflicting ideas. And that's, that's the, uh, the essence or the, the nature of the revolutions that Karl Marx wants to impose. So when I talk about Marxism, it's not just socialism. It's not just this idea, oh, we have to collectively own everything in common and all that. That's, that's part of it. That's part of it, but it's it's only the nature of the struggle that he wanted to create at the time. Because in in the 1840s, the ones that he could get to support him were the workers, because it, mm. there there really was an oppression of workers, and it it, it was a thing. But um, there are other forms of oppression now that we look at in modern society, and you see that in the homosexual movement. They say, we don't have rights. We don't have our rights to do what we want to do. And da, 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 da. You see it in the pro-life, pro-abortion rallies that take place. You know, the struggle is over whether to have abortion or not, whether to allow it or not, that kind of thing. So it's, it's always the thesis plus the antithesis, and they're looking for synthesis. Uh, and that's, that's the nature of it. So I always use the phrase Mark or the term Marxist rather than socialist or communist for that very reason. Mm. Michael Hichborn, I'll be, oh, Hichborn, I beg your pardon. I'll be back with you momentarily. My name is Jim. This is uh, TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Lynn Shaw. Joe Biden issued this executive order about AI, artificial intelligence, and it was all about it's a national security threat. You know, tech 
companies, they all came out of the woodwork and they're applauding this executive order, this new regulation, which is seeking to govern how our federal government will use AI and establish guidelines for companies building new models. But what about the children? What about AI and CSAM, child sexual abuse material? I am not convinced our government is doing anything because this executive order does not mention children. All I have to say about that is so far with the internet, can't even control what's happening now with all of these platforms and children and safety. How are they going to control this AI, this artificial intelligence? Lynn Shaw on TNT Radio. When a crisis hits close to home and across the globe, nonprofits are on the front lines ready to serve. The demand for charitable services has skyrocketed and nonprofits are rising to meet the needs. Healing. Nurturing. Rescuing. Honoring. Protecting. Caring. Inspiring. The work of philanthropic organizations of all sizes, across all missions, has never been more important. And it's donors and volunteers like you who make all this possible. Thank you. Together, we change the world. The Nonprofit Alliance. The conversation continues. Americans across this country are sick and tired of the unaccounted for spending. On today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Michael, uh, one of the interesting conversations uh, about Marxism, it goes beyond uh, just uh, what you were referring to, it also go, it, it taps into the very heart of of what makes society wholesome. I mean, Karl Marx himself, despite being Jewish, uh, was anti-family, and he was he was completely opposed to even uh, people having faith. You know, uh, this this type of uh, state worship was something that that he encouraged. Right. Well, it's it, the thing is, a lot of people mistakenly refer to Karl Marx as an atheist. He professed to be an atheist, but the fact of the matter is he was actually a Satanist. Um, mm. If you read poetry and if you read his his literature, he talks about, ultimately, he talks about worshiping the devil and trying to in, in, instill on earth, hell on earth. He wants to raise the devil and give the devil his due here on earth to destroy, and, and his idea is to destroy religion, uh, to destroy Christianity, to destroy all of the basis of everything that are that that God came into this world to accomplish. So, uh, Karl Marx, in in many ways, was uh, he was a type of the Antichrist because what mm. he wanted to impose was anti-Christian uh, principles within the world. Now let's go back to what the that uh, uh, Catholic group is is funding. Uh, mm -hmm. LGBTQ is. Is a prime example of exactly what you're talking about. It's the breakdown of everything that is morally good. Right. So LGBTQ is an attack on the Imago Dei. It's an attack on the image of God. Uh, mm. You look at the very creation of man. It, sa it says that um, God created Adam and Eve. Uh, he created man, meaning Adam and Eve, in the image and likeness of God. And that through the two becoming one flesh, a new life is created. So 
it's it is a reflection of the Trinity in a very real sense. And what you have through homosexuality is it, it's a, it's a it's not a sacrificial love the way that a marriage is. When when um, mm. our Lord said to to the apostles, you know, husbands love your wives as Christ loved His church. You know, you are the head of the family, but you. How did Christ love his church? He loved his church by sacrificing for the church. He gave up his life for the church. Well, in, in that sense, love is self, it, it is sacrificial. But the homosexuality, the homosexual community, the transgender community, it's self-fulfilling. So rather than uh, sacrificing something of the self, the homosexuals, the transgenders, the sexual deviants are trying to get something. They're trying to to get a charge or a... A, a relief or a thrill of some kind, and they want to maintain that, and they want to continue to perpetuate that, which is why, quite honestly, this community is the most promiscuous in in um, the entire gamut of all sexual perversions. But yeah, the um, the assault on the family starts with the idea of homosexuality because you are it is it's the act that makes desolate. There is no life that can be begotten through through the act that they are trying to have. So it's it is a desolate action. It is lifeless. It creates death because of its filth, because it it's literally wallowing in sewage. Um, so it's it, it 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 attacks the image of the family, which is the reflection of the Trinity, but it also assaults the image of God and the very nature of who man is, um, and it's. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and I'm I'm tempted. Okay, I'm going to ask this. When we talk about the Catholic Church, a conversation about homosexuality always seems to pop up. Is it a problem in in the Catholic Church and is this perhaps part of the problem in terms of this funding? It is. And and I will freely say that as as a faithful Catholic, yes. There is a very serious problem of homosexuality within the church. We have uh, what happened was back in the 1930s, the um, the communists recognized that the number one obstacle that they had, whoops, excuse me, the number one obstacle that they had was uh, the Catholic Church. In order to spread communism, they needed to defeat the church by destroying her image. She has a moral authority. The church stands as a bulwark against contraception. Back in the 1930s, when the Lambeth Conference came out, um, the very first Christian community to um, to embrace the use of contraception was the Church of England. The Catholic Church stood firmly against that. And so you have this encroachment of a further devaluing of the the sexual act contraception started it, then you have abortion, and, and down the line you have homosexuality. Well, because the church stood against the immorality that was going on, stood against communism, staunchly against communism, there are multiple encyclicals from popes over the last 200 years that have been standing against communism. Um, so Lenin and then Stalin recognized in order to to spread their ideologies, they had to get the church out of the way. So mm. they started encouraging young communist radicals to enter the seminaries. And then they also started encouraging homosexuals to enter the seminaries. And what they did 
was capture key um, positions within the church. They would get themselves to be in charge of the seminaries so that they could weed out the good men and encourage more and more homosexuals to come in. The seminaries in many areas became so thoroughly corrupted that they were known as essentially a bathhouse uh, for homosexuals. Uh, there are several cardinals, several bishops currently that are well-known active homosexuals that are, uh, there was a, a bishop a number of years ago, a good friend of mine, Stephen Brady, exposed him, uh, Daniel Ryan was a bishop here in the United States, and he was going around and picking up male prostitutes, and it took an active campaign from my friend Stephen Brady to finally get the goods. He got testimonies from these male prostitutes. He got photographs. He had, he had all the goods, uh, even letters that were written, um, finally exposing the fact that this guy, Daniel Ryan, is a homosexual. Uh, Archbishop Weakland, who was the Archbishop of Milwaukee for for gosh, forever. Um, he wrote a book talking about how he was a homosexual. Cardinal Daniels uh, out in Brussels, uh, he was an active homosexual and he was very promoting of homosexuality. So there was an active infiltration within the church and that is what really spread and sparked this problem. It's It's been a problem for, gosh, I, I, close to 100 years now. Do you think this act of infiltration uh, was by design? Absolutely. It absolutely was. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, uh, Joseph Stalin had a program where he was encouraging radicals to join the seminaries. Uh, Bella Dodd wrote a book, uh, The School of Darkness. She testified before the House Committee on Un-American Activities, and she, even, she, she said, look, while she was a communist, one of her jobs was to encourage young radicals to join the seminaries. She said that she encouraged 1,100 young men to become seminarians. And by the time she got out of communism, some 20 years later, some of them had already become bishops. Mm. Uh, you were talking about Lenin and Stalin. I think you were referring to the Bolsheviks, uh, the Russian Revolution. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was so, very communist. Very, they, in fact, they were radical Marxists. Yes, absolutely. Uh, mm. Lenin um, was the spearhead that started the uh, communist revolution, and then uh, he had Leon Trotsky uh, uh, executed <laughs> down in South America. Um, you, he was like uh, a good commie, you know. You you would you would stab your your fellow commies in the back. That's right. That's right. And uh, Stalin is, in fact, had he did away with Lenin, uh, had him put mm. into an infirmary, and then wound up having him whacked. So Stalin then ruled for a long time, like 30 years or something. And he, <clears throat> you know, uh, he, he, he was the one that enacted the, the program. And I can't remember what the name of the program was. He also started the program of, um, what was it called? Liberation Theology. So Sure. Now, do you think people in the Catholic Church are aware of of this infiltration i mean why would it be so pervasive i think that there 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 are some that are aware um i mean i i'm certainly aware and people that read my material are aware but most catholics are looking around going how did we get here how did this happen and they really don't understand because everything happened so gradually that they just 
you know, the, the Second Vatican Council changed a lot of things in the church. It actually changed the Mass. That was in 1965. The Mass changed in 1969. Um, most Catholics alive today were born after 1969, and that's all they've known. And they've been hearing the uh, the instruction, the gospel of social justice and that kind of thing, which is a Marxist idea. Uh, they've been hearing that idea for so long that, well, that's what they believe the Catholic Church to be. And it's a false impression. But that's what happens when you have this active infiltration going on for over 100 years, and you wind up capturing a generation and convincing them that the Church is something mm. that she's not. But why the Catholic Church specifically? Well, uh, it's because the Catholic Church really was, I mean, she has a lot of influence. Um, and, and the church <clears throat> had stood as a bulwark against Marxism since the beginning. I think there are some 11 encyclicals condemning Marxism, condemning communism, condemning socialism. And in 1949, uh, it was Pope, Pope Pius XII actually enacted an anathema. He he excommunicated anybody who joined the Communist Party. Uh, so Catholics comprising, I mean, a billion Catholics in the, in the world, uh, that's a big percentage. That's one-eighth of the entire world are Catholic. So because of that, they needed to change what the Catholic Church teaches and, and give the impression that the Church is in line with the Marxists. And now mm. we're we're uh, we're we're part of their revolution, and we're we're trying to create the kumbaya world that uh, U utopia wants it to be. Do you think there's a a leadership problem in the Catholic Church? Because you mentioned the Pope, and uh, let's be honest, the current Pope is a weak link. One hundred percent, not a weak link. I think he's he's the tip of the spear. Um, unfortunately. We do have a pope who is ideologically in line with Marxist ideologies. I did a report two years ago showing that uh, Pope Francis had a, a meeting called the World Meeting of Popular Movements, and I examined the organizations that he invited to Rome to participate in this, and they were self-avowed Marxists. They had <laughs> literature where they were writing about Karl Marx and they were talking about how their organizations were revolutionary Marxist organizations. Many of them were lauding Karl Marx himself. Um, some of these individuals even fomented revolution. Uh, there's a, one group that was headed by a man who has communist literature all over his Facebook page. One group called MST, which was at this thing, uh, they featured a young woman uh, in, in, in a video, the Vatican did, featured a, a young woman in this video who was a part of MST. I went to her Facebook page, and the very first thing that I saw was her doing a family read-aloud of the Communist Manifesto. And oh, Pope no. Francis, in meeting with all of these people, he said, you are a veritable invisible army. And he encouraged them to continue on the work that they are doing. And we all know what that means. Yeah, we do know what, what that means. It's it's so strange to me, though, Michael. I'm trying to wrap my head around. Okay, let me ask you this. Why do you think that these ideas are like a mind virus? Why do you think they're so contagious? Well, I, I think that people like the idea of community. So they get wrapped up in the communal sense of it. 
Um, and, and, you know, there's a reason why our Lord referred to man as sheep. We tend to collect in a herd. And when you have a herd, you know, a couple of sheep start wandering away from the main herd. Some of them will follow and they'll go deep into the woods. They'll go, they'll, they'll wander far away. And, you know, that's, that's the problem. Uh, we, we have this herd mentality and a few of them go away and they, they have this attractive field that, oh, looks like that's a safe place to go. And so people go there. You're suggesting, though, that it's a good idea if we are going to be a sheep, at least be a black sheep. <laughs> right. Or at least be a sheep that, um, uh, that knows the voice of the, of the shepherd. Yes, and keep an eye on that on that uh, 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 wolf in sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Uh, and and I mean, Saint Paul referenced wolves in sheep's clothing. So did our Lord. Um, and right now, it seems that the wolves have gotten into the sheepfold, and they're wearing miters. <laughs> so, based on what you're saying, I mean, if you're standing in a tunnel and you see the light at the end of it, is that uh, is that is that literally a light at the end of the tunnel, or is it a train coming towards you? No, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, the fact of the matter is the church has gone through uh, severe crises for millennia. Uh, the Aryan crisis comes to mind. I think it was uh, John Henry Newman who, who said that uh, the world awoke one morning and groaned to find itself Aryan. And uh, the Aryan crisis, 90% of the bishops in the known world were Aryans. But there was a council, the Aryan heresy was condemned, and the church had a, a grand reversal. It takes a while, but the fact of the matter is that we have been through crisis after crisis, we'll overcome, and there will be a more better, solid, stronger, more glorious church to come out of it. But we have to go through the crucible before we can get to... Uh, to, to the jewelry display stand, as they say. Uh, I mean, sure, but I mean, how long do you think that'll take? I mean, it's been going on for what, a century now. I think that we're pretty close to the end. Um, Fulton Sheen said that all th all things accelerate to, to, to their end, and it looks very much like everything is accelerating rapidly, very rapidly right now. Um, so I think that uh, we're very close to the end of it. I don't think that this revolution survives Pope Francis. I think that once he dies, uh, there will be a, a better Pope to take over. And then when that happens, uh, that's when we'll see a grand reversal in the church. I mean, the popes don't seem to uh, have been doing very good jobs in, the, in recent years. <laughs> well, at least the Pope in recent years. Mm -hmm. um, Mm. Popes, popes prior to him have tried very hard to mitigate the damage, but I think that even John Paul II and, and uh, Benedict XVI didn't really understand the full extent of the problem during their pontificates. I think that they really didn't kind of grasp just how bad it was. Mm. I think Benedict may have, may have understood, but too late. All right, Michael Hitchborn, I'll be back with you in a moment. My name is Jerm, this is TNT Radio. Deweaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Well, 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 what have we here? U.S. corn farmers defy a scorching summer to grow a record crop. 
so much for the summer of drought and extreme heat in the U.S., which we had in Texas, that triggered fears about the corn crop damage. On Thursday, the Department of Agriculture, this is last week, made it official. You can't make this stuff up. This year's corn harvest was the biggest ever. John Lorberg, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, said that Bloomberg scared you witless about drought and extreme heat, told you it would screw up the harvest. Turned out they were wrong. Biggest corn harvest ever. Oops. Now, why did this happen? Well, first of all, it was pretty hot this summer in parts of the country. Other parts of the country, it wasn't that hot. Parts of the country are very dry, especially centered in Texas. I know where I live here in Pennsylvania, we had canyons of corn. In fact, there was so much corn, so much vegetation this year, the deer, which are all around here, aren't even wandering out across the roads from cornfield to cornfield because they have so much of the leftover corn and acorns and everything else in the woods that they can just eat it. And by the way, folklore says that's a sign of a cold winter over here. But here's my point. We are adapting to this. Nature is adapting to it. The more CO2, the more resilient and resistant these plants are, which is the solution. If you're in a panic about CO2 or the temperature, adapt and move on and use freedom and capitalism to do it. It's a loony bin world. The exact opposite thing happens. Is the headline as loud as it was before when we're supposed to be facing a disaster? Of course not. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. Many pollution sources can affect the air you breathe. From power plants and vehicles to dust and wildfires. Knowing more about local air quality can help you protect your health. If you're thinking about buying an air sensor, EPA has a series of videos to help you get the most out of it. Learn how EPA collects and uses regulatory data, how EPA communicates health messaging, and how to interpret the readings from your sensor. Visit epa.gov air sensor toolbox. TNT. You're with Jeremy now on today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Now, Michael, that's so easy, easy to get caught up in the details and, and the cogs you know, and um, all it takes is just to zoom out a little bit. Do you think that going back to basics is something that perhaps these Catholic groups just need to do? It's as simple as that. Just go back to basics. Sure. I, well, it's not just about going back to basics. It's about recognizing and reorienting um, what the purpose of the church is. Yeah. The Catholic church exists for the salvation of souls. That's her purpose. That's our entire mission. Um, but it's been turned into kind of a, a social club uh, for the purpose of creating some sort of world utopia. And as they as as the infil, infiltrators, the the ones who have transformed it into this club, I mean, we're we're going through this ridiculous synod on synodality now where they're talking about, oh, should we give blessings to homosexual unions or should we even uh, have female deacons and female priests even. And, and it's they're trying to transform the church into this me, 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 me movement when it should be Christ, Christ, Christ. And yeah. that's the problem. So yeah, they're get, they're getting too much into the world and they're they're forgetting the uh yeah. the divine. Yeah, I mean what I was implying is that going back to basics means taking a stand, you know, stop trying to uh be so inclusive and stop 
diluting what it is that you represent. Just, you know, take a stand. You, if, if you are opposed to uh, gay marriage, then you say it and you back it up. If you're opposed right. to LGBTQ and all that nonsense, then you say it and you take a stand. But instead of trying to modernize the whole time, you end up with nothing. No, you're absolutely right. Um, if uh, if you lose sight of the the truth and you if you lose sight of your your mission, then anything else is going to creep in. I mean, just just in the business world, they call this mission creep, where mm. you you lose sight of the purpose of your organization. You start allowing certain things to come in. That's what happened to Bud Light, you know, with the whole yeah. uh, Dylan Mulvaney thing. They um, they had mission creep instead of focusing on making good beer and catering to, to their, you know, their support base. They went, they tried to become a woke organization and it backfired mm. in fantastic fashion. And that's what's happening in the church too. They've, they've uh, transformed uh, what the church is into something that it's not. And they, um, that they're having a, a massive backfire for that. Well, I was just about to ask you about that because we're talking about what's going on inside the church. But I mean, what's happening with the church membership? Are they pushing back? Uh, yeah, I mean, in many ways, uh, there are there are a lot of lay faithful who are very upset about what's going on. I would also say that uh, because of the current climate in the Vatican, you have a lot of um, you have a lot of bishops and priests who are afraid currently. Uh, a good friend of mine, Bishop Strickland down in Tyler, Texas, was just canceled by Pope Francis, summarily removed from his diocese without cause, uh, and he was just a raw exercise of power outside of the norms even of canon law and taken from his diocese. There are a lot of bishops who, who think that, well, if I speak up, I'm going to have the same treatment, and it's it's causing it's causing us to not have the uh, the effect that we hope, but the lay faithful are waking up, I think. Yeah, so, I mean, is the Catholic Church in general still in a good space, or is it in a very dark place at the moment? It depends on what we're talking about, because um, I think that those who really do have the faith are in a much better spot than those who don't. And... Mm. The world, the situation in the world is very dark. And by dark, I mean the vast majority of the world has lost the sense of the sacred. And they do not see the, uh, the salvation that awaits them just by practicing the faith. Because of that, the world is dark. But the church, mm. the church is that light to that darkness. It's just a matter of saying, well, where is the church? How do I find it? Where it's not a building, it is the sacraments, it is the teachings, it is the 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 uh, proper sacramental structure of the church. That's the church, but mm. people looking at it as some sort of um, social club, they've they've lost the plot. Yeah. So when when um, you and others expose uh, funding like you have been with the uh, what's it the human development. Uh, what, what are they mm -hmm. called again? Um, the Catholic campaign for human development. Oh. Yes. Do these exposés do anything? Sure they do. Uh, they cause heartburn for the bishops that promote them, for one thing. Uh, but for another, what they do is they, they raise awareness among faithful Catholics who may or may not have been aware at the moment that there's a problem, and it keeps pressure on those bishops. They don't like exposure. 
They just want mm. the situation to go away. So the people who work for the CCHD are constantly having to defend the grants that they're making. There are still some good bishops who will ask questions and say, well, something's not right. And I do know for a fact that there have been a number of dioceses around the United States that quietly do not take up the CCHD collection because of these reports. Mm. I also want to point out, I mean, there are a lot of good Catholics also within these organizations, and and they also are aware and they are trying their best. I mean, we want to also acknowledge the good. I'm sorry, what was the question? No, well, I'm saying we must just also highlight the fact that there are good people even within these organizations. It's not a good idea to taint all of them as bad. There are people trying to trying to expose this. Absolutely, absolutely, mm. and 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 that's I would say that that's true anywhere. That uh, yeah. you can't paint with a broad brush, um, except for Satanists. I mean, I can't think of any <laughs> any good uh, Satanists. But uh, you can't generally paint with a broad brush and say that just because somebody is is uh, a part of something that they necessarily are evil and unreachable. Um, no, there are a lot of very good people in the Catholic Church that are that are fighting to bring the Church back to her mission to to. Uh, well, to, to extricate those who are trying to undermine that mission, trying to uh, mm. stop the church from fulfilling the mission that she, she exists for. I just want to point out, you were referring to some books uh, earlier in our conversation, and I had a look at those books bef before we went live, and they are absolutely appalling. It's, this is disgusting stuff. And it, it blows my mind how, how anybody can think that this is a good idea, particularly when it's linked to a church. Yeah, yeah. Well, and um, I think that the <laughs> the response from the CCHD with regard to this particular situation will be, well, they were defunded before they started doing this. Yeah, the reason they were defunded is because a local journalist and local Catholics raised a huge stink about this organization and went to uh, the archdiocese and said, we're going to be put publishing a big story on this organization. And so the end result was, well, we're just not going to allow them to be on the list for another grant. Oh, that's wonderful. You're just going to, you're going to let them keep the money that they already stole from the church. Uh, you're just not going to make them eligible and let them continue on and doing what they're doing. The problem is there are still two Catholic parishes that are a member of this organization despite the fact that they just had this banned books drive for those mm. disgusting books for kids. So there is still an ongoing fight that has to be had. I mentioned the leadership, but the, well, at least what I perceive to be a leadership crisis within the Catholic church. But I mean, are they actually good leaders who are outspoken? Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, so we've got Bishop Athanasius Schneider, uh, who's from Kazakhstan. We've got uh, Cardinal Raymond Burke, who is in, he lives in Rome. Uh, we've got uh, Cardinal Renzi, and we've got uh, Cardinal Robert Sara. Um, there are very good bishops. There are very good cardinals. Cardinal Zen from China. Uh, all of these men, very, very... <laughs> Cardinal Zen. Did you say yes. Cardinal Zen? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yep. Yeah. That's a, he's a, he's a cardinal and uh, his his name his is Zen. So yeah, he's and he's out. He was in uh, Hong Kong. Um, a very very holy man who has suffered immensely. 
uh, under the communist Chinese and who has suffered immensely under this pontificate. But they are outspoken and they are standing up for the truth and they're standing up for the for the church and and they're fighting to put an end to this heresy and to the to the widespread immorality and to stand against this encroachment of Marxism. So the moral of the story is that you are hopeful and that things will change fairly soon. That that is exactly right. Uh, I remain very hopeful. And, you know, the early church martyrs were hopeful unto the end. Uh, <laughs> Nero, who would burn Christians on spits to, uh, to light his garden parties, was appalled to hear these men singing as they were dying. They were singing sure. psalms, they were singing hymns. And the reason that they were singing is because they recognized that in their agony and in their death, they were being united to Christ on the cross and that their martyrdom would lead to their salvation. So they were very hopeful and they were very happy about what was happening. And I think that Christians today need to do the same thing. We need to recognize that the suffer suffering that we are enduring in this life specifically through the uh, Marxist revolution that's taken place everywhere. There's nobody who's not touched by it now. Um, mm. As we are being exposed to this and suffering under it, we have to recognize that this this crucible, this this suffering, this cross that we're carrying is that path to salvation. And by uniting our suffering with Christ on his cross, that's where we will be saved. So, yeah, it's very hopeful. Yeah. One of the things that does bother me a little bit is the ultra cynicism that I see around me. And I'm referring to how there's a lot of polarization between, let's say, Catholics and other Christians and Protestants or whatever. This is probably a good opportunity to find common ground rather than disagreement. Uh, yeah. Uh, in fact, I think that uh, we should all recognize that there is a big enemy that is united across all spectrums. Uh, the Marxist revolution has linked yeah. arms with anti-racism, immigration stuff, climate change, LGBTQ, LGBTQ, abortion, all of it. They're united on all fronts and anywhere one of them, and they don't like each other, by the way. If you look at mm. the, the LGBTQ community, most homosexuals do not like transgenders. Um, mm. and, and there's a lot of infighting there. The anti-racist movement, uh, there are various races in the anti-racist movement that are racist against each other. But because mm. they recognize that they want to have change in society, they've linked arms and they are fighting as a unit. But we, like, like the Irish against the English, are completely disorganized. We're more intent on fighting each other than we are on fighting yeah. the enemy, which is why we constantly get defeated. Yes, exactly. So going back to Alinsky, what that was one of his one of his rules is to uh, cause division <laughs> in your That's enemy. Right. That's right. So and, and it's also Sun Tzu, divide yeah. and conquer. Exactly right. And the division and the conquering always happens within people who are on the same side. Absolutely. And, and we also need to recognize that in the very real sense, this is a diabolic attempt. And, and the reason yeah. I say that is that the word diabolic comes from the Greek. It's two words, diaboline, which means to tear apart. So 
when you are talking about division in the ranks and you're talking about dividing good peoples from each other, it is a diabolic attempt because it is tearing them apart in, in the very real sense. And that's also the other thing about Marxism and uh, communism is that they are more often than not unified. And that's why they often win all kinds of infiltration battles. People who are on the opposing end of the Marxist communist uh, spectrum are way, way too disjointed and scattered. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so we, we do need to have a unified effort. And I think that that effort has to start with prayer. It has to start with prayer. It has to start with a willingness to sacrifice our own comforts for yeah. the good of standing up for the truth. I mean, the word martyr means witness. And if we are witnesses to the truth, if we profess the truth, no matter what suffering will come, it's, it's like scattering darkness by turning on a light. They can't stand the light. They can't mm. stand the truth mm. because it exposes their lies. And that's, that's what we have to do. But also taking a stand against degenerate behavior. You bet. Absolutely. 100%. Mm. Okay, Michael, we are quickly running out of time. Uh, how can I follow you or find out more? So we, you can come to our website at lepantoin.org. That's L-E-P-A-N-T-O-I-N.org. You can follow us on Twitter. Our, our account is Lepanto Inst, or you can find us on Facebook. You can find me on Facebook. I'm very active on Facebook. Um, so th those are the best ways to find us. Sign up for our newsletter. So with our newsletter, we can um, get, uh, get, get the word to you so that you know what's going on and how to stand up against it. And just quickly, in 60 seconds or less, uh, give me a summary of this conversation. I'm looking for like a nugget of wisdom. Well, uh, a nugget of wisdom. <laughs> Stay close <laughs> to Christ. I mean, um, I, the, the, the most wise thing that you can do is to remain close to the divine. God created you in his image and likeness. He created you for a very specific purpose. And he created you to perform and follow the will that he enacted for you. And um, the best life that you can live is to ask our Lord, Lord, how may I serve? And to every morning, dedicate yourself to doing what it is God wants you to do. He'll put you where you need to be. Just remind him, look, I'm confused. I don't know what I'm supposed to do in this moment. Help me to know. He'll tell you. Mm. But be open to it. Have that conversation on a daily basis, on an hourly basis. And eventually you'll find that doors are opening to you that you would never expect. And you're doing things that you never expected you would ever do. And that a light and a life is open to you that you never would have known. Michael Edgeborn, that's good enough. Thank you for joining me in the trenches. Thanks so much for having me on. God bless you and your audience. It's a great pleasure having you. And uh, thank you, Alex, uh, for, for keeping things going. As always, send me an email, jimwarfare at tntradio.live. Uh, give me feedback. Give me guest ideas. Uh, tell me what you thought of the conversation. Always happy to, to hear. All right. I think that's uh, my housekeeping done. I'm out of here. I'll catch you tomorrow. My name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. <laughs>